Welcome to Divorce and Other Things You Can Handle, a branded podcast from Worthy. I'm Audrey, and I'm your host. Once you realize you deserve better, letting go will be the best decision ever. Society doesn't make it easy for you to feel good about the decision to divorce, and that's why we wanted to start this episode by reading this quote. You deserve the best, and letting go is okay. This episode is a deep dive into one special woman's story about surviving infidelity. Lauren McKinley goes deep into the details of her first marriage. We think her story is one worth sharing because she is a great example of how you can go through so much pain and disappointment and still find ways to live in your worth, find love, and create your greatest possible life. This is a bit of a spoiler, but we can't help but hint that you're going to want to stay tuned to hear how she met her new husband. Divorce and Other Things You Can Handle is a weekly podcast, so make sure you subscribe to keep up with new episodes we're curating to help empower and uplift you as you embrace your fresh start. This podcast is for you, so join our Facebook group, Worthy Women and Divorce, to let us know what you think and what you want to hear. You can also get more at worthy.com slash podcast. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with Lauren. When you sell a piece of jewelry, you can't control how much it's worth, but you can make sure that you're selling smart with a team of experts and advocates behind you at Worthy. Your engagement ring can be a financial asset that allows you to embrace a new and fulfilling life after divorce. Let us help you get the best deal possible for the jewelry you've outgrown. Go to worthy.com podcast to learn more. Today, we are very lucky to be joined by Lauren McKinley, who is the founder of Her Soul Repair. She is a blogger, an author, and a teacher, and she wrote the book, Stop Wrecking My Home. We've been hearing from you guys about how you want to talk more about infidelity. You want to hear about women who have been through it, and you want to know what got them through. And Lauren's book is an amazing dive into the most personal corners of her story. She is so generous with the details, and we are basically going to be talking about the book today. I am so excited to welcome Lauren to the podcast. So welcome, Lauren. Thanks so much for having me. Well, we're really excited, and Lauren is one of the newer members of the Worthy family, but we're so excited to have her. And her unique story, and everything that she brings to the table. So thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us today. It is my pleasure. I'm so excited to be here. Great. So why don't you start by giving a little bit of an introduction to yourself for our listeners who might not be familiar with some of your work. I am Lauren McKinley. I am a wife and a mom of two. I run an online community, Her Soul Repair, for women who are healing from betrayal and divorce. I am also an author, and I'm just passionate about sharing my story in the hopes of helping other women. That is what it is all about, and that is why we are both here today, and I think this is <laughs> going to be a great opportunity to do that. So let's talk a little bit about your book. So the book is called Stop Wrecking My Home, How to Come Out of a Broken Marriage in One Piece. So where did this idea from the book come from? How did you decide to write the book? So I was in a marriage where I thought everything was great. Our marriage pre-affair was awesome. We had met at church. We dated for two and a half years, got married, 
a year into our marriage, decided we wanted to try for a baby, got pregnant right away. We're obviously super excited to welcome our daughter. Mm -hmm. We loved being parents, still made plenty of time for our marriage, date nights, time away. So in my mind, everything was as it should be. Come to find out, (laughs) I found out my husband was having an affair and totally rocked my world. Did not see it coming. We did not have the stereotypical marriage that you would think that partners with a husband having an affair. Right. And I know stereotypes, no one likes to be judgmental of someone else's situation, Mm -hmm. but I think it's safe to say that unless you've gone through something, you are more likely to tack on a stereotype for someone else's circumstances. Right. I mean, we talk a lot about stigma on our podcast. And that's, you know, one of the things that Worthy really is trying to do is to change the conversation surrounding divorce. And that judgment is just it is so there. And it's so hard when you're going through something that's so heavy and so personal. And then there's all these other elements in society that just kind of make it worse. For sure. And I definitely experienced that stigma, like 100%. And when I found out about the affair, I felt like other people just looked at me like, how did this happen? Right. I mean, and you talk about in the book, like, I think you paint a really nice picture of your marriage with your ex and what it was like before you found out about the infidelity and And like, you know, like you were saying, it seemed not just from the outside, but from the inside, like a really happy and healthy union. And one of the things that really stood out to me was it seemed like he was so supportive of you. So, I mean, obviously, at some point, you started to become aware that there was infidelity. So how did you pick up on that? Like, what were the red flags for you? So I had noticed that something was kind of off with him Mm -hmm. for a few months, but I thought that it was maybe stress at work or some maybe depression. Like I not in a million years thought it was that he was having an affair. Yeah. So that just paints that I was very confident in the state of my marriage. It was not like there was no connection or no intimacy. I mean, everything on my end felt like as it should be. So. When I did find out, it was extremely shocking, to say the least. And I never in a million years, like I said, thought he was having an affair. Right. So in the book, you talk about this moment that you you kind of see his phone blowing up. And that's how you uncovered this really difficult truth. Right. So the short story is like, I saw a text conversation between him and a friend. And it was about how he was in love with someone else. And he wanted to leave. Yeah. So that obviously segued into a blow up conversation between him and I because I did not see it coming. Right. So you write about this moment when he told you and and you kind of say that, you know, like he told you and he left that night. Am I remembering it right? Right. So when I found out that 
he was in contact with someone else. It was a coworker and the stories progressively got worse. So it started as like an inappropriate friendship mm-hmm. and then it kind of went into we've seen each other a couple times outside of work and not to get into the nitty gritty, but then after about a month of the story progressively getting worse, I found out the extent of it all. And yeah, that was the night that he left and it was apparent how detached he was from Mm -hmm. me and our marriage. It was like, I was looking at him, but he was a different man. And as soon as I found out how bad it was, you know, I reached out to family who was local and they came over right away to just comfort and be there for me. Yeah. I mean, the way that you write it in the book, it's like he walked out the door and your new baby girl is upstairs asleep and you're alone on the couch. And to me, that was like one of the hardest parts of the book. I was, I just wanted to be on the couch with you and give you a hug. I was like, <laughs> so I'm glad oh to gosh. hear that you reached out to people because we, we just talked a little bit about judgment. And I think that shame is also one of the hardest things about this. And, and just that feeling of like, you know, the floor was falling out from underneath you. And you did have this really great marriage with your ex where he would have been the one that you turned to to make you feel better in a tough moment. And here you are on the couch alone. And it just it really broke my heart into a million pieces. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, <laughs> it was definitely very devastating. And when I say that I reached out to family and friends, like those phone calls were hysterical. Yeah. Not to sound like I had it all together and was just reaching sure. out calmly. Like, right. It was... <laughs> It was a pretty devastating moment. And obviously there is that side of loneliness that I felt in weeks and months to come within my marriage. I I didn't have my spouse. He was gone. But I did surround myself with community and family and friends who I knew would be a support to me and my daughter and who would just take us to dinner and check in on us and just make sure that we were surviving in this time of trauma. Right. I think that's the perfect word. I mean, it really is so traumatic. So, okay, you know that your marriage is not what you thought it was. And then what happens? I mean, did you file for divorce right away? How did you move forward once you found out about the infidelity? So as soon as I realized that he was not willing to give up his girlfriend, Mm -hmm. I asked him to move out because he would have had his cake and eat it too. Like, I don't think it was that urgent in his mind to move out. He was just going to kind of come and go as he pleased. And I was not going to settle for that level of disrespect. Yeah. So he moved out, like I said, when I found out the worst version of the story and I didn't really think that our story was going to end in divorce. Even after he moved out, I was like, okay, you know what? I think we're going to come out of this stronger and we're going to be that couple that had this crazy story and now we're telling it, look what we bounced back from. Mm -hmm. And that was my mindset. I was just like ready to fight and I was ready to do whatever it took to piece our marriage back together. And I think you you talk about you had a friend who had a marriage that also had experienced infidelity at the time, right? 
Yes. And their marriage ended up working out. So I imagine that had like a lot of influence. You know, you, you think about like what you're exposed to and who you're exposed to and what's normal in your life. And so you, you had this example of a time that it did work out. And so, you know, that was probably part of the reason that your mindset was what it was. But, you know, you're also somebody who takes marriage really seriously and probably never saw any of this in your future. For sure. And, you know, that couple was super encouraging to me. And I felt like out of the woodworks were coming like wives who had been married 30 years and they would talk about a season in their marriage where there was infidelity or an affair and here they are. So I had these examples in my mind Mm -hmm. of like living proof of what people can come back from in terms of infidelity. Yeah. Mind you, it takes a ton of work and therapy and intention. And it is not an easy feat by any means. Right. But I just had that in the back of my mind that it was possible. Right. So a few months had gone by at this point and he did decide to come home. And it was this grand, like, take me back kind of plea where he had made all the promises that I needed to hear. And we were starting a program that was meant to restore your marriage after an affair. It's mm-hmm. like a couple's therapy program. So in my mind, we were like on the right track. And here we were both ready to fight and salvage what was left. Right. And then it only took maybe a couple more months after he had moved home for me to see reality and how his actions weren't really meeting these promises he made. And it just, for one, was not the marriage we had pre-affair, but it was just not the marriage I wanted. I was like, oh my gosh, this can't be the rest of my life with a man who doesn't really value me or want to stay married to me. (laughs) Yeah. You know, you were talking just now about how these couples who you saw that they did come back from it, they did make it work, and all of the work that they put into it. One of the things that really struck me from this part of the book was how much work you were putting in. You talk about, I think, like four or five different kinds of counseling that you tried. Yes. Like a lot. (laughs) (laughs) I know it. I mean, we did the couples counseling. I just... I think I just sounded like I was knocking counseling. And I just want to say I'm in counseling. I love therapy. No, not knocking counseling here. But like, my point is you really tried. So let's talk a little bit about what that journey was like. (laughs) For sure. So we went to a couples counseling program. Mm -hmm. And probably about the third session came around and the therapist was feeling super bad for me. Like, okay, it doesn't look like he wants to put the work in and you're still super committed and wanting it to work out. And I came up with the term cancer eyes because he would look at me like I just told him I had this terminal illness. Every time I talked, he just looked at me like sad puppy dog, like felt so bad for me because I would just try and have an optimistic spin and wanting to work through the issues that had come about. Right. And my ex was just like, well, how long is it supposed to take? Or like, when's it supposed to get better? Right. <laughs> What's your estimate, doctor? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, he was just not in the same place. 
at all. But I think that's also a really important half of the story when you talk about all of the work that it takes to get to the other side of it. Like you can do everything that you possibly can and you're still only halfway there. For sure. And that was the tough pill for me to swallow. Ultimately, it was like, how much more am I going to put myself through? Mm -hmm. Like he doesn't want this. And it doesn't really matter if I put in all of who I am to fight and make it work because you need two willing fighters, especially to bounce back from an affair. I mean, you need that in a relationship every day on the good days. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So we kind of stopped with the couples therapy after a couple of months because his emotional attachment was so strong to the other woman that Mm. there was nothing anyone could say or advice that could be given that was really going to help him at that point. Yeah. You know, he just wasn't in that place. Mm -hmm. And that's an important piece to remember when I think couples think, oh, therapy's going to solve it all. But unless they're in an emotional place to receive it, and to do something with the therapy and the advice, then it's really, it's not going to fix anything. Right. So I have a question about a little piece from the therapy journey that you guys took. So you talked about this exercise that you did, and I I imagine it was probably with this couple's counselor. And your ex had to list all of the moments that he lied to you and ask you to forgive him for each one individually. And you you write about it like it made you feel like your whole relationship was a fraud. So I want to hear what that experience was like. And then I also want to know, you know, you have a new life and he's still a part of it. But I'm really curious to know how you see those beginning years of the relationship that you had together and if it still feels like a fraud or or how you like how how you package all of it today. So yes and no with the fraud. Like mm-hmm. I I feel like the exercise definitely had its purpose. If you were going to start a new marriage, then you needed to come clean about all of the lies that made up your former marriage. Mm-hmm. And that was a lot of the basis of this program was your your old marriage is dead and you are starting a new one. You're creating a new one. So I understood like the point of it. However, at the time, I kind of knew that we weren't going to bounce back from this and he was over it. And anyhow, so I I knew that was looking like our outcome. So we still did this exercise and, you know, you were read the lie and then you have the choice to say that you forgive it now or you choose to forgive it in the future Mm -hmm. or that you can't forgive it. So, like I said, a lot of the things were a huge surprise to me, and I do feel like, obviously, there was a lot in our relationship and marriage that I didn't know about. Uh However, now, like present day, I do like to focus on the good parts of our time together, Yeah. so it doesn't feel like our union was a total lie. Yeah. You know, I think there were a lot of mistakes made. And like I said, there were a lot of lies in the mix that I had no clue about. So that's obviously hard. But I do like to focus present day on just the good parts and the 
times that we had together that weren't all bad, you know? Yeah. I think that's really important, especially because you have a daughter together and, you know, it can be so hard. Like you, you really were so disrespected by him and so hurt. And it's certainly understandable to not be able to get to that place that you just expressed, you know, immediately. Or if there's, you know, if there's somebody who's listening that feels like, oh gosh, like I can't ever imagine coming to that place. You know, you weren't there in the moment. (laughs) You know, it's, I think it's the best for you also. For sure. And I remember being in the place of thinking, like, I will never be able to let this go. I will never move past this. Mm -hmm. You know, I think it just takes a lot of time and work. And you do move past it and you do heal and leave it in the past where it belongs. Right. So one of the things that you talked about that kind of helped you move forward and helped you heal was the connection that you had with God and and to your religion throughout this experience and and also throughout your life. But you you have a chapter that's called For the Jesus Folk, which I think is the cutest chapter title I've ever heard. (laughs) But I'm going to read a little excerpt from that chapter, and then I want to chat about it a little. So you wrote, Even with all of the ups and downs, the closeness I felt to God during this time was incredible. There I stood, my life barely recognizable. I felt both overwhelmed by the depravity of our world and then at the same time, not the slightest bit surprised. Let's be real. As followers of Christ, the Bible is clear that we will have trouble, but with that trouble will come a beautiful peace that trumps anything we can wrap our minds around. So this makes me feel brave and makes me feel comforted just to read what you wrote here, but I want to know a little bit about what this was like for you and and why it was important to you to include this chapter in your book. I wrote my book with the intention of it helping anyone who had experienced betrayal in their marriage. Mm -hmm. So even though my faith was a huge part of what helped my healing, I didn't want people who didn't feel like they could relate to that piece to not read the book and not Mm -hmm. relate to the story, which is why, you know, I gave it a chapter and I just told my readers take it or leave it kind of thing. Yeah. But for me, it was a lot of the glue that just kind of held me together during the hardest times. Because when you look at your circumstances, there's nothing about my life at the time that should have been like any sort of peace or any sort of just hope. And I felt like through my faith and through prayer and just people coming alongside me to help me that I was experiencing those emotions and that kind of feeling of peace and the the hope for the future and all of these things that when you looked as an outsider of my life just in shambles you would never think that those emotions were possible but I did find that through my faith and through just a lot of prayer and meditation and all of that I could get to that place of peace and I could get to that place of, okay, like it's going to be fine. I'm going to come out of this and I'm going to survive it. And so keeping that mindset amidst so much of the chaos Mm -hmm. um, really had a lot to do with my faith and with my beliefs. 
I think that's so beautiful. I'm so glad that it's something that you share. I think, you know, also I love the way that you approach it because, you know, we want to find ways to connect with each other in the ways that we have shared commonalities, but also to hear each other respectfully in the ways that we're different. And I think the way that you you talk about this as something that anybody can relate to because whether it's your religion or a different kind of spirituality or a yoga practice, like a wellness routine, whatever it is, there's ways that you can give yourself opportunities to heal even in these toughest times. And I think it's so beautiful the way you write about how you got through emotionally and and how this was a big part of that. Thanks. Yeah, (laughs) we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to talk a little bit about the decision to officially end the marriage and what happened after that. Moving past divorce is hard enough without your old engagement ring staring you in the eye every time you open your jewelry box. Worthy provides the smart solution for women looking to safely elevate their rings from dusty relics of hard times to financial assets to help you embrace your fresh start. Worthy covers the cost of insurance, shipping, grading, and more. So if you're going to sell, sell smart with Worthy. Go to worthy.com slash podcast to get started. We're ready when you are. So we are back with Lauren. And Lauren, I want to hear a little bit about when you shifted from, I want to do everything I can to make this work to, you know what, this might not work. (laughs) So like, yeah, like I said, it was pretty early on after he had come back, maybe like two months in that he was already kind of putting a time frame on, okay, how much longer do we do this? Like, when's it going to get easier type of thing? And so we did say until the end of the year. So we were in the month of June at this Mm -hmm. point. And he said, okay, well, I'll give it till the end of the year to see if things improve type of thing, like that ultimatum. So obviously January one hit and his bags were packed and he was like, I'm out of here. So at that point I did file for divorce because I wasn't sure if he was ever going to take that initiative. Mm -hmm. Um, and I wanted to move forward. If this was the hand I was dealt, then I was going to move forward. I wasn't going to kind of wallow. Right. Like as long as you're still married to him, it's a lot harder to embrace your next chapter and your fresh start. Absolutely. Yeah. So we ended up going through mediation and it took longer than I expected. It took about a year and a half actually. Mm -hmm. And not because it was so tricky and that we had all of these uh, conflicts per se, but it just took that long of a time. And I think maybe it had to do with that. It was a little budget friendly and they weren't as urgent and just getting all the paperwork done. Yeah. So it was a long time period in, in my world at the time, but it was also awesome because during that time I didn't date. I just like worked on myself and I really like let myself experience the grief and the pain and I just healed. And so it was rad. It was like, I didn't want it to take that long, but because it did, it was just this space I was given to really like 
go through and grieve like each loss and just experience the pain and then move forward into a healthier place and into like a healthier version of myself. That is something that I would wish for every woman who goes through something like this, that opportunity to like really have moments of reflection and make conscious steps forward. I think that's like, that's so beautiful. And I think it's kind of a hard thing probably to share with other people because it's so personal, but that personal time is just like so valuable. It is. And it's hard to tell people because a lot of times they just want to rush through it because Mm -hmm. you don't want to stay in your grief and you don't want to stay in the sadness. But I like just tell them and encourage them so, so much just to take the time that you need. And that that number is different for every person. It's not a science. Right. But I just think if it's not dealt with now, it will come back in other forms until it's been dealt with. And I think that's a common just trend in anything we go through that unless it's properly dealt with, it's going to come back. Right. (laughs) I mean, I think it's very obvious to anybody who's listening that you you have healed and, and you have such a healthy perspective on everything that you went through now. But, you know, in the book, you talk about some of the harder moments of this. And I'm sorry to drag us back to that, <laughs> but I, you know, one of the things that I think people can probably really relate to and, and really stood out to me in your story was this was kind of like a second hit, like finding out about the infidelity and then getting ready to do whatever you could to save your marriage. That was like one moment of grief. And then like, okay, this is not going to work. That's like chapter two of this trauma. And so one of the things that you wrote about was judgment. And you kind of talked about how this whole ordeal made you a little bit more self-aware about ways that you are judgmental. And it made you really sensitive to the ways that people were judging you. And that's something everybody can relate to. Like we say it every time on the podcast that people have a really unfair stigma towards, I think, especially women in divorce. And, And I think... I want to read something that you wrote because I think people are going to be able to relate to this feeling from their guts. So you wrote, (laughs) you wrote, and last there was the acquaintance judgment. People who didn't know me and only knew half of our story. I could just read their thoughts. Oh, your husband had an affair? You must never put out, not even own a piece of lingerie. Never let him go out with friends. You probably suffocate all the aspirations he has and demean the hobbies that make him feel alive. You must try to micromanage and control his every move. No wonder he did this. Do you blame him? <laughs> this is it, right? This is yeah. <laughs> It's definitely how I felt by some people who had found out our story. And sadly, I remember probably when I was younger and knew little about just marriage and divorce, all that stuff. But I remember hearing like, oh, so-and-so had an affair. And Mm -hmm. I would just think like, oh, wow, like they must have been miserable in their marriage. Or just you go to the stereotype that you've been most exposed to in your Mm -hmm. life, right? And that's what you think. So I'm thankful to the max that I have come out of this much less judgmental. And not even with just divorce, but it's really helped me to just look at any circumstance that someone may be going through in a different light and just 
I don't know what they're going. I don't right. know the ins and outs because I'm not there in that, in that illness, in that relationship. I'm not there. So I don't know why it happened or what happened. So it's been a great shift for me yeah. personally to really take that. Right. Like you and I have spoken a little bit about the silver linings of divorce and I think this kind of self-awareness, like this is a kind of an unusual one that maybe people wouldn't expect, but in your case, like what we're talking about is really compassion, right? Like being able mm-hmm. to relate more to other people and kind of expanding what it is that, that you can empathize with and other people's struggles. And I think that's one of the most beautiful things about being alive and connecting with other people. And certainly... You don't want to have to go through hardships to experience those kind of things, but it is something I think to to be grateful for. Absolutely. I loved that part of the book. <laughs> I think that was probably my favorite. And and we're going to get to like your ex and the other woman a little bit later, and I'm going to talk more about how compassionate I think you are. Um, <laughs> but I thought that was really, really amazing. Okay. So then... This is not a favorite part of the book in the sense that like it it gave me the warm and fuzzies, but like it made my skin crawl. You share this story about coming home and finding your ex doing laundry at your house. I want you to paint the picture. I want you to tell this story. Oh, man. The laundry story. (laughs) Well, (laughs) so I was coming home from divorce care, which I just think is even more ironic. Of all the places to be on your way back from. Yeah, coming home from a divorce recovery support group, like feeling in a good place, had just, you know, done the work at the support group, feeling peaceful Mm -hmm. and wonderful. And then I come home and my ex was doing laundry in my house. And I realized that it was not all just his laundry, but also his girlfriend's. And and who was the girlfriend, just in case anybody doesn't know that detail? The other woman, the right. same, same girl, right. same girl. So I wouldn't necessarily describe myself as a very emotionally charged person. Like mm-hmm. I'm not the kind to get in like screaming matches with people, but this was definitely one of those times that I lost my cool and pretty much yelled him out of our house and then left post-it notes on the washer and dryer for him to read the next time he was there <laughs> saying, do not use. <laughs> so, With a smiley face, right? With a smiley face. <laughs> yeah, it was something. I mean, that kind of story you just can't make up. And mm-hmm. that's a lot of how I felt during this time was these things I was going through. Like, this is so crazy. Who does this? You can't even make this story up. And yet I'm living it right now. One of the things that I think really stood out to me about this story was you talked about how like, okay, like, understandably, so this really pissed you off. And it was like, really disrespectful. It was like, very clearly crossing a boundary and not just crossing a boundary, but crossing a boundary with the other woman's underwear, which is just unthinkable. And (laughs) so like you're, you were really, really upset. And you talk about how you were hearing yourself telling everybody for a while. And like, it was just like taking control of you and you were telling everybody this story. Yes. I realized like after it had happened, I like sent the text to my group text with my girlfriends. And then by the next morning I had told someone else and It was like every time I retold the story, I was 
self-inflicting that emotional response I had the first time. And it was not letting me just leave it in the past. Like Mm -hmm. I was retelling and obviously retelling to like trusted friends who can give you advice and just be that sounding board is awesome. And it's totally needed. But when you're retelling it just as like a dramatic story to share at happy hour and (laughs) you're, and you're just bringing yourself back to a like not so great place that is not serving you in any way, then it's like, okay, let's just not go over the details one more time. And you know what I mean? It's just like, you have to know the difference and then realize that it's not hurting anyone but yourself. Exactly. You're just bringing yourself back to that place and it's not necessary. Right. I think it, you know, it's interesting because I think like probably everybody has some version (laughs) of the laundry story. And, And I think there's like two parts of it that, that make it meaningful beyond the fact that it's a scandalous story. And so one of them is that it it is just such a scandal. And I think that like, you know, divorce and infidelity, like those are also somewhat scandalous. But this laundry thing, it wasn't so traumatic like the other pieces. And you were also much farther along in the divorce journey and you were much farther along Mm -hmm. in your healing. And so I think like your response to it wasn't like you could take it, but you were angry about it. And the way that you you process that kind of hurt is different. So I think like, in some ways, it it feels to me almost like a big step forward and like your distance from it. But like it also exactly what you said, like it just wasn't good for you to be retelling it. And like, for all of us, when things like that happen, like you were 100% in the right in this story about the laundry. Like it just was ridiculous. And I'm sure that it like feels good to say it, but like it's not a great color. And it and the truth is, is that it, it is kind of like injecting poison back into your veins, just making it a part of your life yes. all the time. But then your story kind of takes a shift and, and you start telling a little bit of other stories that, that I think show that you were moving on with, a lot of intention and in really healthy ways. And I loved the story about the dishes. So you talked about how like he had taken a few dishes when he left and then he brought them back and you were like, oh, who ate off these dishes? <laughs> like what? I don't need these guys. So tell us what, what happened with these dishes. Well, my daughter and I stayed in the house where we all three had lived for three years after mm-hmm. our separation and divorce. So there was a lot of purging that needed to take place in order for me to feel at peace with staying in the home. And it happened over Mm -hmm. time, for sure, with the help of, you know, friends and families. I would just pretty much replace item by item and do the Goodwill purge, redecorate, repaint, you name it. You know, I just had to make it a new Mm -hmm. space that didn't remind me of the past and of my marriage. And so one of those things was pretty much purging all of our wedding gifts and those dishes were one of them. And he had taken them when he moved out as kind of like part of his half. So then when he brought them back, I was kind of like, okay, well, I, I don't want these here. And I just took them to the Goodwill the next morning and thinking, well, someone's going to have some nice crate and barrel plates from the Goodwill and better your kitchen than mine type of thing. Yeah. <laughs> so 
I don't know. It was nice to kind of redo the home and have it be only mine and my daughter's. There were still things like I would be cleaning out a closet and I would find something that was his or was ours. And, you know, those moments happen and you're kind of sad about it. And then you just have to move forward, donate it or throw it away or do whatever it needs to take to just get it out of your your mind and your safe place, your house, which is where you just want to be, you know, all peace and yourself and a good, you know, happy place for you. And in my case, my daughter as well. Right. So, you know, like worthy, we're an auction platform and we help people sell valuable jewelry, like an engagement ring or a wedding set. And so we actually get to be a part of a lot of people's process of doing exactly that kind of identifying items that don't really fit in their safe place anymore and giving them a safe way to sell it because, you know, you're not going to take your engagement ring to the Goodwill. (laughs) No. And I love that you guys do that. I think that is such an awesome place for women to come and you get to like come alongside them and really help them embrace this new life. So I love that you you guys do that. Yeah, we we really love doing it and, and all of the other things that that it allows us to do, like working with people like yourself. Um, (laughs) But I love that part about the dishes and just kind of taking it out of your home because that's something that, you know, we hear a lot about how meaningful that can be and creating your own space and your own jewelry now or whatever it is. It's I think that's also a really healing thing. So I loved that piece. So I want to skip ahead. Basically, the divorce is finalized and he is still with the other woman and you meet somebody. This is just the most wild story I I think I've ever heard. You have to tell everybody how you met this man. Okay. So I stayed super close with my ex-husband's family during the course of our separation and divorce. Mm -hmm. And one night my ex-in-laws they really enjoy going to like country Western bars and two-stepping and like doing all those line dances. (laughs) I know. So they had gone out and they, the next day we were at dinner and they were like, we met this really great guy last night. And I think you would really love him. And we were, I just turned to them and laughed like, Oh, what did you say? Like, you should really meet my ex daughter in law. You guys would be a great match. I just like had to laugh. Like it's comical. Yeah. So, like a few months later, they had gone back to the same bar and they were like, why don't you come with us this time? It's a really fun vibe. I think it would be good for you just to get out and, you know, have a night out. So I was like, okay, that sounds fun. So it wasn't like we were necessarily set up or like, they didn't get his contact information when they met him the first time. Mm-hmm. So it was just like, okay, I'm going here with them. And then turns out he was there, the guy that they had met the previous evening. And we just met and exchanged information and have been together ever since. <laughs> and you just had a child how long ago? Six months. Yeah. So we had our son in January of this year, and we have been married about a year and a half now. Uh huh. I just have to say, we're going to link to Lauren's social channels. So if you're not already following her, you can go to worthy.com slash podcast to find her. 
but she has the cutest pictures of their family and they just seem so happy. And, you know, we talk a lot about this bright future. And if you're somebody who wants more family, who wants more kids, who wants another marriage and and to have that happily ever after, I think that just seeing Lauren's life is going to make you feel so good <laughs> because Aww, it's so, you. it's just really beautiful. And, and you, you just looks like a, a family that was meant to be together. Aww. And I know that couldn't have been easy, especially that this woman who was sort of the beginning of the end of, of your marriage with your ex, she's a part of your family now too. So you, you write that forgiveness is the key to healing. And I want you to talk a little bit about what you managed to do, I guess, <laughs> um, with your ex and just kind of like where things are now and how everything ended up working out. Yeah, forgiveness is such a big deal. And it's really an ongoing choice, especially if you are going to co-parent. So if there are children in your divorce, it's just inevitable. If you're going to be healthy co-parents, forgiveness needs to happen. And it was obviously, and still is on some days, it's not easy. But for me, the motivator is my daughter. You know, I want to be able to model forgiveness to her and I want to be able to model the greater good of moving past when people disappoint you. And present day, I would say our relationship as co-parents, the four of us, my now husband and then my ex and his wife, you know, we all co-parent really well together. And I had to shift that focus to be only my daughter and not kind of the water under the bridge because, Mm -hmm. you know, if I stay in that place, then there's always going to be ways for bitterness to creep back in or just anger. And that's not the life that I want my daughter to see from her parents. And, you know, it, people always write in, they're like, I don't know how you do it. And it's like, (laughs) it is, it has taken time, a lot, a lot of time. And, you know, it's still a work in progress for sure. Mm -hmm. But in terms of our daughter, it's like, we are all at the soccer games and the parent conference and the birthday parties. It's like, we are all four together for the big things in her life. And Mm -hmm. we interact, you know, in a cordial and social way with each other. And I just think it's such a game changer, especially when you have young children, like our daughter is six. So we have years ahead of ourselves in terms of her life and Mm -hmm. our parenting and her family. So, I mean, it's just, it wasn't going anywhere. The, The choice to forgive just seemed like the only way to get through our future and her future in a healthy way. Right. This is the compassion that we were talking about earlier. You know, when you put it like that and you frame it from the perspective of your daughter and and kind of thinking about how her life is going to be shaped because of what she's exposed to, it it really does feel like the obvious and only answer. But, you know, the pain that you must have felt and how disrespected you were by your ex and, and his now wife like that doesn't necessarily go away. And I think it takes a really special person 
to be able to shift things in the way that you did. And I think that you're all really amazing for being able to do that. And, and your daughter's really lucky. I want to I read a little something that you wrote about um, – now you have two, but I think when you wrote the book, you just had one. <laughs> and so yeah. you said – you call them your littles, which I think is so cute. <laughs> so you wrote – and this is, this is to women who have been through something similar. You wrote, I know you found yourself in a crazy life that you can't control and didn't sign up for, but what you do have control over working at – creating the life you intended for your littles. They are always worth the heartache you've experienced and they will always be the brightest of all silver lining on those dark days. I just think it's so beautiful. Thank you. And I, I've said it before and I feel it to this day that I would go through it all again if it meant I had my daughter. It's like she, in my mind, like she was the purpose and the beauty in our, in our union. And so it's just that that's it. I would do it all again because it gave me her and now it is hard at times because she will have to process and heal on her own levels because mm-hmm. her parents are divorced and you know that's kind of been revealing itself lately now that she's in school and sees like why do I have two houses or, mm-hmm. you know, why do I have four parents? Because <laughs> um, <laughs> you're so lucky. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know because you have all the more people that love you. Yeah. So, I mean, we definitely take that spin on it 100%. But, you know, there is that real element that she will have to deal with. And, you know, we just validate how she feels. Mm-hmm. She's so lucky to have you. I mean, I, I'm not even going to ask the question because I think you just answered it. But like, I know that one of the biggest concerns that people have is when this has been modeled for your kids or infidelity is modeled for your kids, how do you raise them to identify what a healthy, normal relationship is? And in your case, you know, your daughter was so young when that mm-hmm. was happening and, and the memories that she'll have will be two healthy relationships and a healthy co-parenting relationship. And that's a wonderful thing. But I think that, that you kind of have underscored two things. The first is that, you know, you talked about this moment that your ex came back home and he still wanted to have his girlfriend and you put down a hard no. So the first thing you did, I think, was model that behavior for her, which is self-worth and, and, you know, Mm -hmm. not settling for anything less than you deserve, which is so important. And then the second thing is forgiveness and being able to find compassion. And that's, you know, what you have modeled through your relationship with your ex and his wife. And those are, I think, some of the greatest gifts that you could give your daughter and, and she'll be such an amazing person because of it. So I think that's really beautiful. Thank you. It is a huge motivator, to say the least. It definitely keeps us all focused and things in perspective. It's having her the center of it all. Well, I definitely want to hear so much more about your story since the book has finished. And, you know, you and I have chatted a little bit about what life is like now with your ex and his wife. And I would love to have you back on to talk more about co-parenting and a little bit of where things are now. But before we let you go, I want to ask one question. So I think you talked about forgiveness is the key to healing. And we, we talked about time and you had this time that was kind of like you, you were able to unpack the things that you had gone through and reconnect with yourself. And we talked about 
time and that it takes time to heal. And it can be really frustrating. You can feel like you're wasting time when you're taking that time. So I want to know what you recommend our listeners do to pass the time if they are not at the beginning of that bright next chapter. I would say to just invest in yourself. Like Do things that make you feel your best, whether it be a workout routine or just getting outside in nature, going on a hike, making plans with friends, traveling to new places. Like I'm a big fan of therapy. Go to therapy if it's mm-hmm. going to help you process where you're at right now. I think it's just all about tending to your current state and doing what's going to help you right now and making sure that you're in a healthy spot, especially before you welcome any man friends into your life. Mm -hmm. I would say it's just important to invest in your current place and do what you can to just make you feel happy and whole and like you are healing and becoming the better version of yourself. I love that. I think that's the perfect place to end this idea that the best investment that you can make is in yourself. And, you know, I think so many of us in our early lives and in our, in the beginning of a marriage, we're investing in our husbands or our kids. And I think you're right that it's just an amazing opportunity to kind of reacquaint yourself with who you are and identify what kinds of things you need and find the things that make you happy. And then I think, you know, if it's something that you want in your life, you will find your perfect fit like Lauren did. And (laughs) I want to thank you so much for sharing your story with us. I, I think it's an amazing example of what life can be like after divorce. So thank you so much for being on and we can't wait to have you back soon. Thank you for having me. I loved talking with you. Oh, Thanks again to Lauren for joining us and to all of you for listening. One of our top priorities is making sure that you are getting the content and the services that you deserve. That's why we're so excited to have Karen Sparks on next week's episode. Karen is a certified divorce financial analyst with a law degree and over 20 years of experience. You're going to want to tune in to hear how she has made respect and sensitivity central to how she approaches her clients. She's also training other CDFAs around the country and teaching them to take this same approach with their own clients. We are so excited to bring her expertise to you because we think she's the kind of professional who is worthy of your time. Make sure you subscribe so you can catch every new episode of Divorce and Other Things You Can Handle in your feed weekly. If you like what you hear, rate and review us to help other women like you find us. Thanks for listening to Divorce and Other Things You Can Handle, a branded podcast from Worthy dedicated to celebrating women like you as you embrace a new beginning after divorce, separation, or whatever. Worthy is an online auction platform designed to help you sell valuable items like an engagement ring or a wedding set. When you decide to send your ring in, we pay for the shipping and insurance to ensure that it arrives safely to our New York office. Once we receive the ring, we have it professionally graded and photographed, which helps it sell competitively in our buyer network. One of the best parts of working with Worthy is that you get to set the minimum on your item. After the grading, our gemologists will give you a recommended selling minimum, but at the end of the day, you get to decide how much you want to sell the ring for. 
If the highest bid comes in below that threshold and you decide not to accept it, we'll send you your ring back and we'll even cover the costs of the insured shipping again. Let us help you get the best deal possible for the jewelry you've outgrown. Are you ready to embrace your fresh start? Us too. Go to worthy.com slash podcast to learn more.